Hello, and welcome back to The Threshing Floor. This is your host, Ricky Estrada. I'm so excited to have y'all here today. We have so many people around the country and around the world listening to this podcast. And I'm so excited to share this first episode with y'all. I just want to open my heart and share my testimony in this episode. And I hope this impacts somebody. I hope this testimony touches someone's life and encourages them wherever they are. Without further ado, let's get right into it. Sometimes I wonder how many people in church are not going to make it to heaven. Not because they didn't want to, but maybe because they were just misinformed or they didn't have clarity to a question. Growing up in school, kids never really asked questions. It seemed like The only people that really asked questions were the smart kids. Everyone else just wanted the class to be over and they just wanted to go home. I'm sure some of us know that feeling. But coming time to taking the test, some of those people that never really asked questions and didn't get clarification on how to solve the problem found themselves in a panic. Some kids just picked it up real fast, others were just really good at the process of elimination. Others were really good guessers, and just a small few had to pray. And when that didn't work, then they would just cheat. I'm sure we could all fit into one of these categories of people. But no matter what category you fall into, every single person wanted to pass that test and graduate. I see humanity the same way. No one wants to fail in life and go to hell. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, what about those murderers? Or those people that say they want to go to hell? I can also ask if they've ever experienced the love of God. Or been exposed to his word. Some people also think they deserve to go to hell because of their life choices. But just because they say they deserve it does not mean they truly want it. People that say they want to go to hell don't truly understand what they are saying. Maybe they've never had clarity of the severity of going to hell for eternity. There might be some of us that made fun of Christians before we came to Christ, but now that we have a greater understanding of what we know, now we know what we didn't know before we came to Christ. I'm sure some of those believers wouldn't say the same thing after knowing Christ and giving their life to Christ. I said all that to say this. That no one wants to go to hell if they only knew what awaited them. I believe one of the reasons why some won't make it to heaven is because they're too scared to ask for help. Every single person has a story. And someone is always going to have a harder life than you and we are all broken people and we all have the scars to prove it our culture has taught us to believe everything we hear and see 
We have been programmed to not think for ourselves or question truth. And sometimes we're just too scared to ask questions. Because we don't want to be rude or sound dumb or may maybe end up feeling shameful because we haven't been living right. The enemy does not want you to speak up. Because he knows once you do, the truth shall set you free. The enemy would rather take you down in secret without making a sound, without creating a big commotion. The story of the lost coin is a story some can relate to. In Luke 15, 8-10, it says, Or would a woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This story always resonated with me because I was that lost coin in the Father's house. At times, it felt like no one was looking for me. Maybe they just forgot about me. Sometimes, it could be that no one even knows you're lost. We stay silent and we slowly go into isolation and we slowly drift away. You may have so many questions that come to your mind as to why no one has lit a candle and tried to look for you in those dark places that no one really likes to look in. We must always be aware and sensitive to people because they could be lost and waiting to be found in the Father's house. The enemy does not want you to be found. In reality, sometimes we're just in the crossfire of life. I saw a video on social media a little while ago, and it was of a murderer being interviewed in prison. He said if he had gotten stopped by the police after committing a crime, he would wait till the police officer would come to his window to shoot him. He said he would do this because he would rather kill him without making a sound or alerting others, and because he was scared of bullets flying back at him. The enemy doesn't want you to fight back. He doesn't want you to get up. He wants you to think that no one cares about your soul and no one can hear your spirit crying out for help. He wants you to believe that no one is looking for you. The adversary will have you believing that you are in complete isolation, an island all by yourself. And if he can have you thinking like that, he's already won most of the battle for your soul. Whenever I was seeking the Spirit of God, I could care less about how nice people were dressed at church or how smart they were or how much scripture they had memorized. That's not what I was looking for. I was just tired of playing pretend church. I wasn't here for a talent show. I just wanted something real, something genuine that could make an impact in my life. It had been my experience that our teen years are the most crucial years that determine the direction of how the rest of our lives are going to go. I was raised in church, but that didn't mean that I was living a Christian life. That also didn't mean that I was saved, in other words, found. I wasn't a pastor's kid or a minister's kid. I was just a second-generation Christian. I was a nobody. I was just a kid that was scared because I knew the truth, but I didn't have it. 
and I wasn't living it. I got baptized in the name of Jesus around the age of 10. The first time that I ever spoke in tongues, I doubted that I actually received the Holy Spirit. I felt so pressured to speak in tongues. I didn't want to disappoint anyone. And I felt so sorry for the people that prayed for me because they had prayed for me for so long that I just didn't want to disappoint them. And I, I did what any kid would do. I just started to babble and make some noise. After that experience, the enemy planted seeds of doubt in my heart. Throughout my teen years, I was seeking to be filled with the Spirit of God, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I was seeking an undeniable experience of speaking in other tongues. I was so desperate to finally say, I spoke in tongues. It's unfortunate, but rarely will someone check up on you to see how your spiritual life is doing. Who cares, right? I was just a teenager. Meanwhile, every time I went to youth camp, I began to hate going to the front during the altar call at the end of service. I would do everything right. I would praise, I would shout, I would do everything that the preacher would ask us to do. And I still didn't know how to receive the Holy Ghost. There wasn't a manual book that I could just read and follow step by step on how to speak in tongues. I would just be so jealous and upset at God for not filling me up with the Spirit. I didn't understand what was wrong with me. I truly wanted Him, but I could never feel His power. I could never feel that power that the preacher would always preach about. Years. It took me years. Can you imagine being so close to salvation but never reaching it? Or never being sure you had it? I got so desperate that I began to develop anxiety. And not to mention all the stress of having a drunk father at home. And not knowing where he was after long nights. I used to think, why should God care about me? I'm no one special. There are more spiritual-minded people that need God's attention more than me. Why would God be listening to a boy that has no reputation? I wasn't the smartest. I wasn't the best-looking. I wasn't the best speaker. One thing about me, though, that I had set in my mind and in my heart was that I told God that I would never be embarrassed to worship Him. And I would always try to be the first one up in the front to worship. There came a point when I was 16 where I was sitting outside of my house in Alvarado, Texas. And I began to have an anxiety attack. And I began to realize in that moment that I couldn't feel any emotion. I didn't feel bad for all the things that I did in the past. I was just numb. I was scared my heart had just turned into stone and God would never fill me up with his spirit ever again. I thought that I had run out of chances. Man, that's it, Ricky. You just messed it all up. And the enemy started to put suicidal thoughts in my mind. He tried to discourage me and tell me that God would never forgive a sinner like me. He asked me, why even get up? Why even try to live for God if you're always going to mess up again? And you're always going to come back to the same place. I felt like I could barely breathe. Like if a python was squeezing on my chest and I was slowly dying. 
In that moment, I rebuked those thoughts, and I began to walk in circles outside. It was about midnight, and I began to pray and look up at the stars, and I said, God, God, I know you're out there. Even though I can't feel you, I know you can hear me. I stayed out there for about 35 minutes. I didn't feel the Holy Spirit, or I didn't hear anything. It almost felt like if I was just talking to myself. I decided since I was giving my time to the devil that I should give my time to the God of the universe. Mind you, I was still seeking the Spirit of God. While others were being filled and growing in the Lord, I was just trying to make it another day. I wasn't worried about having a pedigree or being well known. All I cared about was just having Jesus in my life. Just give me Jesus. That's all I wanted. I thought they said it was really simple to receive the Holy Ghost. I thought they said I, all I had to do was ask for it or want it. I did everything that I was supposed to do. And it still wasn't working. But the problem was that I was trapped in the middle of being in church and taking part of the world. The Bible says in Revelations 3.16, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. I was basically throw up to God. He was spitting me out of his mouth because I could not make up my mind. I was serving two masters. I was a worse sinner because I was a hypocrite. I could not make up my mind. God honors the person who can make up their mind. Just choose who you will serve this day because you are always going to be a slave to something. Whatever you fear, that is what you will serve. But you choose who you want to serve. Just because you're going to church doesn't mean that you're going to be saved or that you're going to make it to heaven. That's a sad truth. I personally don't think that Pentecostals are the only ones that are going to make it to heaven either. There are some people out there that obey the word of God more than us. This is why it's so important for you to read the Bible for yourself and let God reveal himself through his word. A few more years passed, and at this point I was kind of tired of church. There was no hope for me. But my mother took me to a last-minute service, and I was really in a bad mood. Then what made it worse was that they made us pay at the door, and that made me even more upset because my mom spent her last few dollars that we were going to use to eat after church. Now that I think about it, it reminds me of the story of the Zarephath woman and her son. That was a small price to pay for the experience I was about to receive. This was the first time I had ever heard a woman preacher. God used many women in the Bible. And I want to let you know that I believe in women preachers. And let me tell you, she was anointed by God. And she called me out and read my mail like, it was nobody's business. There was no way on earth she knew all those things about me. Someone had to have told her. But I knew it was God speaking to me. 
I honestly don't even remember walking up to the altar at the end of the preaching. I just remember going off to the side and giving up on God and myself. I remember accepting the fact that I was never going to be filled with His Spirit. I felt like there was no point of living without the Spirit of God. I was just so done that I was not even upset at God anymore. I was just more disappointed that I would never get to feel the love and the joy that everyone around me seemed to feel. I told God one last time, I'm just done, and I have nothing else to give you. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, the Spirit of God filled my mouth with an angelic language that I could not understand. It was undoubtedly the Spirit of God. I began to cry so hard because I finally found what I was looking for. It literally felt like God wrapped me in His arms and I, f I just felt so weak. All my stress, all my tension, anxiety, and doubt, it all went away. I felt like I could finally let my guard down because it felt like He was literally fighting all my battles for me. And I did not want to stop speaking in tongues because that was the happiest moment in my life. I even told God, just kill me right now, because I don't want to sin against you ever again. Because I didn't want to disappoint him. I had already disappointed too many people in my life, and he was the last person I wanted to disappoint. It took me years to find what I was looking for, and I wasn't just about to lose it. I left there so excited and encouraged I just wanted to hug every tree I saw, and I wanted to tell my pastor how excited I was. But at the same time, I was kind of embarrassed that it took me so long to receive the Holy Ghost. I was just going to change now, though. I finally had the Holy Ghost, and I was going to be able to give my testimony that God delivered me from bondage of sin, and I was never going to be tempted ever again, and I was never going to fall into sin. But that wasn't my testimony. I had to go back to those same demons that I had been fighting for all those years. And some people know how it feels to go back home to nothing. I didn't really have friends that knew what I was going through. Everyone has their own life that they're living. Some people literally have to go back to hell after church. A place that they're trying to escape. And that joy only lasted me a little while, and I found myself back to square one. I made the mistake of trying to imagine my relationship with God as a ladder. My goal was just to stay pure and holy as long as I could. And if I messed up, I had to start from the beginning, back to square one. You have to, right? Because we teach people that true repentance is when you never commit that sin ever again. So what we're saying is that if we stumble again, then God didn't really change us? But wait, I thought you said that I was a new creature in Christ. Let me clarify that this is not how God sees your relationship with Him. He does not see it as a ladder, as if you mess up, you have to start your relationship back over again. Before you were even born, he already knew your name, and he already knew your value. So much that he thought you were 
worth dying for. You see, humans will measure your failures like a merit-based system, and you have to earn your worth. And some people will see less than when you mess up. But your value does not change in the eyes of the Lord. It will hurt your mind to try to comprehend that, because His love is not like our love. God is love, but love is not God. The enemy wanted to discourage me after receiving the Holy Ghost. Then I found myself going in circles, speaking in tongues in church on Sunday, then going back home and facing the same spirits Monday to Saturday. I had no one to talk to, and I wasn't going to tell my mom because that was so embarrassing. I did not grow up in a home where talking about things I was dealing with was considered normal. We didn't even tell each other I love you. It was just an unspoken thing. But let me tell you something. Your parents do love you, and they love you so much. And if you don't have parents that you can talk to, then find a church where you can find a godly mentor. I didn't know how to be a man. I just knew how not to be one. A true man or woman will admit their faults and try to seek help if they cannot do it alone. Your parents will be so proud of you if you could just open up that much to them. Most of the time, your parents will care about your spiritual health and they will do anything to help you out. Let me say this to parents. Please be honest with your kids. Please don't act like you've never messed up in your life. We ourselves just act like big kids. Those kids just need hope that someone else made it through. I can assure you, that you'll still be a hero in their eyes. But at that moment, I wasn't sure I was going to tell my pastor, much less my dad. He had his own problems. The only person I had was God. It's so hard to open yourself like that to somebody and be so vulnerable. I didn't want to try to build a new relationship with someone and gain their trust. That, that just takes too long. I just wanted somebody that knew my past and wasn't going to judge me for it but instead someone who would encourage me and believe in me that I could overcome. I was just tired of all the fake smiles and all the fake laughs. I would always be the one trying to make everyone laugh in the group, but my spirit wasn't happy. It's true what they say, sometimes the people that have the best humor are the ones that are most unhappy, almost as if they're trying to hide the pain that's inside. I had many followers and friends on social media, but in reality, when I would turn off my phone, I was lonely. No one was around me. My spirit was crying out because I needed help, but no one could help me but myself and God. The Bible says to work out your own salvation. It's not saying that you can give yourself salvation. It means that you're the only one responsible for your own salvation. You and you alone. When it comes time for God to judge us, we will not be able to use excuses as to why we didn't serve God. We aren't going to be able to blame our family or our friends. We are all going to give an account for what we did and did not do. There was a day when I was in the restroom crying while my dad was drunk in the living room. 
I looked at myself in the mirror and I told God I wanted to become a preacher someday so I could preach a message and my dad can come back to the Lord. Even though I was so young, I loved my family so much. I wanted to see them saved. My dad wasn't perfect, but he did the best he could, and I will always honor him for that. I still hold on to that image of that little boy that was looking at himself in that mirror with tears rolling down his cheeks. I was speaking by faith. I was talking to my future self. That little boy is the one that I want to make proud. It is only by the grace of God that he delivered me from that situation. And I would not be here today if it wasn't by God's grace. All the enemy can do is tempt you, but he cannot touch you. That means that while we're still alive, we are going to be tempted. This is not a battle against flesh and blood, but against darkness and principalities. The enemy can care less about your flesh. What he wants is your soul. Now the question is, what measures are we taking to prevent these temptations from occurring? This podcast is not for those who have reached perfection and have gold status, although I would argue that no one has reached that level. But this podcast is for those who have fallen short of the glory of God. For those that have been washed up by the wayside. For the ones that feel like they've just been forgotten and alone. For those that feel like no one is looking for you. You don't have to be outside of the church to be backsliding. You can still be lost in the Father's house. You can even be in the Father's house and not even know the Father. If the church is moving forward, but you are staying stagnant, aren't you technically falling behind? Sometimes backsliding isn't going backwards, but it's just staying in place and not growing with the church and moving forward. Next time you're feeling lonely or struggling, maybe you feel like you're getting lost, don't be scared to ask for help from your pastor or your parent or mentor. The reality is that you are not alone. There's always going to be someone there willing to help, willing to listen. We must be aware of where we are in our spiritual walk with God. But we must always keep in mind our neighbor. Everyone is going through their own personal battles. We must always encourage one another in the Lord. How amazing would it be if we could catch people from slowly falling off to the wayside? How much could a simple text to encourage someone that God placed in your heart impact their lives? Taking them out to eat or giving them all your attention. Just letting them know that they're not alone in this journey we call life. That's all I have for this podcast. I hope my testimony will help someone who is listening to this. I hope it relates to whatever situation you're going through. Remember, you are never going to be perfect, but your goal is just to try to get stronger in the Lord and to be able to overcome whatever it is that's in your way. Know that I love and care about you, and I believe in you. You have someone cheering you on in your corner, and so is God. 
If God gave me forgiveness time and time again, he will do the same for you. Give grace and mercy to those freely, just as God has given it to us. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and thank you for listening to my testimony. My name is Ricky Estrada, and I'll see you next time on The Threshing Floor.